0: This morning, our second scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-15, through 15, if you'd like to follow along. Brothers and sisters, we want to let you know about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. While they were being tested by many problems, their extra amount of happiness and their extreme poverty resulted in a surplus of rich generosity. I assure you that they gave what they could afford, and even more than they could afford, but they did it voluntarily. They urgently begged us for the privilege of sharing in this service for the saints. They even exceeded our expectations because they gave themselves to the Lord first and to us, consistent with God's will. As a result, we challenged Titus to finish this work of grace with you the way he had started it. Be the best in this work of grace in the same way that you are the best in everything, such as faith, speech, knowledge, total commitment, and the love we inspire in you. I'm not giving an order, but by mentioning the commitment of others, I'm trying to prove the authenticity of your love also. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, he became poor for our sake, so that you could become rich through his poverty. I'm giving you my opinion about this. It's to your advantage to do this, since you not only started to do it last year, but you wanted to do it too. Now finish the job as well. So that you finish it with as much enthusiasm as you started, given what you can afford. A gift is appreciated because of what a person can afford, not because of what a person can't afford. If it's apparent that it's done willingly. It isn't that we want others to have financial ease and you financial difficulties, but it's a matter of equality. At the present moment, your surplus can fill their deficit, so that in the future, their surplus can fill your deficit. In this way there is equality, as it is written, the one who gathered more didn't have too much, and the one who gathered less didn't have too little. This morning we're continuing our discussion of a vision that we share as a church, a vision that we have on the front of our bulletins and in other places that says as participants and worshipers of St. Luke United Methodist Church, we seek to grow with God, grow with others, and grow in our service to the world. This vision frames what we believe, it frames who we are, and hopefully, or it's supposed to frame, how we make decisions to minister to our existing community, the people that come here to worship and participate in the life of this church, but as well as make our decisions and influence our decisions and how we choose to use our different ministries, groups, and programs to introduce others to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a sense, this vision is supposed to explain who we are. It's supposed to explain what we intend to be as individuals and as a church. As we recognize and acknowledge that our vision is guided by the words of Matthew 28:19, which undergirds our church vision. Where Jesus tells us, as his disciples, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. So each week we've looked at different spiritual practices that you and I can engage in as part of our spiritual walk, recognizing that the Christian faith is something that we do as a community, but it's also something that we each have to do individually in order to grow in God, in order to grow with others, and in order to grow in our service to the world. So we've looked at practices such as Bible reading and participating in worship. We've talked about prayer, and last week we talked about what it means to be a witness, to the power of God in our lives as we choose to tell our story to others in a way that is sharing of who we are and of whose we are as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. I hadn't planned to talk about this, but I think it's appropriate. This last Tuesday, we had church conference, which is our annual meeting with the district superintendent where uh, just various uh, business items of the church are discussed. We celebrate the past year and we look ahead to the next year. Normally, church conference to me is, is, is a great joy as we come together. And it's pretty you know easy to get it together because there's just a lot of forms that you fill out about asking about worship and, and other participation and programs and other things. And this year was a little twist, though. Because our district superintendent wanted to talk about the story of Jesus. Tell me the stories of Jesus. And so he asked each of us as pastors, to find two people in our congregation to share their story of how God was at work in their life in the last year. You know, I said this was difficult, and it was difficult for me to think of someone, one, to think of people that were willing to share, but then two, to think of people that I really felt could offer something for the rest of us. And so I just wanted to share with you and reinforce how important Tellings Our Stories is because Tuesday night we had two participants, Tibby Guy, who's a longtime church member of our church, who's experienced death in their extended family as well as as surgery for her and Glenn and, and just many other things have happened to them. And so she was able to share about how this church has been her family and has supported her and about how Jesus has accompanied her on this journey of life this last year. That's witnessing. Renee Altman, a new member to our church, shared her story about how she was looking for a job. She'd finished school, and she for a year she'd looked and hadn't found anything in her home of South Carolina. And so she said she started putting her name out further and further, trusting that God was going to open a door. A hospital from El Paso called her and offered to bring her out, and offered to, to interview her, and then they offered her a job. And so Renee trusted in the Lord. She trusted that Jesus would be present with her, and so she shared with us her story that God brought her out here. But she shared with us even more that this church family has become her family, away from her family in South Carolina. You all journeyed with her through the sickness from cancer of her father, and then Renee was able to get home the week just a day before he passed. See, that's the story of Jesus. And so I share that with you today just to say how important your stories are and to say that's the community of faith at work in and through this church. And see, we don't know that we're at work until we share the stories of how God is at work in each of our lives and in your lives. This morning I want to invite us to think about the practice of financial giving and what, and what it means for each of us to practice this spiritual gift as part of our worship of God. Before I begin talking about financial giving, I want to offer uh, something to just tell you that this is not a traditional stewardship sermon as I have envisioned it to be, nor as I have ever heard. Because as I've been engaging the scriptures the past couple weeks about this practice of giving, as well as the other sermons that we've been preaching in this Grow series, I've come to a different place in thinking and talking about stewardship. And so I've studied the Scriptures these past couple weeks. I've read about the practice of giving. I've read passages of Scripture about giving God our first fruits, giving God our best, giving God the unblemished, as we find in the Old Testament. I've read passages of Scripture like Exodus 35 and 36, which tells the people of Israel how they were to offer their gifts, what attitude they were to bring, as they approached the Lord to offer Him their best. The Scripture says that they were to be cheerful, that they were to be enthusiastic, because their giving was a part of the worship of their God. And then I've read passages of Scripture like the one we read earlier this, uh, this morning, from Ezra chapter 2, verses 64 through 70. This is a passage of Scripture that is a passage of thanks, and of thanks in a sense. The people of Israel, if you'll remember with me, were conquered by the Babylonians. And they were sent to Babylon and other places. They were exiled. They call it the Diaspora. Because they were spread out. And then Cyrus of Persia conquered. And Cyrus issued a decree that allowed the people of Israel to return to Jerusalem from Babylon. And so Ezra chapters 1 and 2 begins basically with a list of everyone who returned. And then it ends with chapter, verses 64 through 70 in chapter 2 where Ezra writes what the people of Israel did when they returned to Jerusalem they brought their gifts to the temple mount depending on your translation some say voluntarily some say spontaneously either way out of gratitude they approached the temple mount where they knew that the temple would eventually be rebuilt and they offered their gifts to God and Ezra said that that pleased the Lord because of their willingness to offer their best. That's why there's a list of all the gold and the talents and the other things that they offered. So this passage of Scripture, God was pleased because the people of Jerusalem had returned, and as they were looking around their city, instead of beginning to rebuild their homes, they first went... And offered their best to God out of thanks and gratitude. Knowing that they had to rebuild the walls. Knowing that they had to rebuild their homes. Knowing that their community and their land was in disrepair because of the time that they had been gone. But they offered it out of gratitude and thanks as an act of worship. And so as I've read the scriptures such as these, and there are many others in the Bible that deal with giving. I've thought long and hard about what it means for us to bring our gifts about what I could say, and about what we have all heard before, about the ways that we offer our gifts to the Lord. And so for me, this past few weeks, I have had two words that kept returning. The words to, T-O, and the words through, T-H-R-O-U-G-H. That was Katie's spelling word last week. She knows how to spell it, so that means that I know how to spell it too. And as I've spent time with these scriptures, I've kept returning to these words as I've thought and prayed about how our attitude is to be as we approach our financial gifts to God. I keep coming back to these words, to and through. And after a time of just thinking of them and pondering them and praying them, I found these other two phrases that they ended up in. I give to the church or I give through the church. The more I've thought about it, these phrases, these words, the more I believe that in a way that the way we answer these questions impacts how we view our financial gifts to the Lord. That the way we view whether we give to the church or whether we give through the church impacts how we give and the attitude that we bring and the way that we perceive and view the gifts that we offer God and how they're used. Our gifts shape who we are. They shape how we imitate Christ in our lives. They shape how our community of faith can be the place where others can come. Our gifts provide evidence of our priorities. And that's why it's so important for us, I think, to think about these words about whether we give to the church or whether we give through the church. So which is it do you think? Which word do you use as you bring and offer your gifts to God? Do you offer your gifts to the church or do you offer them through the church? What is the end result? What is going to lead us to a greater place of impact for our community and in our own lives? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, we're reading a passage of scripture where Paul is writing from the Macedonian church to Corinth, where Titus is. Paul is offering them words of encouragement, and he's telling them about what he's witnessed. Because, see, they're a church that's also posing this question of what it means for them to offer their best to the Lord, of what it means for them to offer gifts to God, of what it means for them as a community of faith to offer themselves to others. And see, Paul says, here's what I've seen. See, he's witnessing. I've seen a church that out of their poverty was able to find generosity. I've seen a church that out of their their need still saw the need to share and offer themselves to others because of their love of God and Jesus Christ. And what he said was that their giving was a reflection of their love towards others, which really then is a reflection of their love of God. They gave because of what Christ gave them. Because of the life that He offered them, the forgiveness that they had been granted, because of the grace that they had received. They gave through Paul and through whatever the church at the time really was, knowing that their gifts would be used to reach others. They gave as a way to imitate Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus Christ gave himself fully for those that he loved and for the world that he knew was full of sin. They gave because they loved others. And so I think that we could look and we could say and we can see that they gave through the church because they knew that the church was simply a vehicle or a place where they could come together to make a great impact on the world. See, as I've thought about these two words and as I've thought about how different they could be, I see giving to the church as viewing the church as our end Is the thing that we're working to achieve, we're working to strive for, we're working to accomplish. But what happens in this place, what happens in this room is not the end. And so if we give to the church, then we have an attitude that this is all we have to do, but if we give through the church, then what we view the church as is simply a stopping point in our relationship with God, where we can pause, we can reload, We can rest, we can recharge, we can encourage, and we can do the things we need to do, knowing that this isn't the end. That we give through the church so that we can make a greater impact on God's kingdom in our community and in our world. We give through the church so that we can reach others, so that we can connect with them, so that we can offer them the grace and love of God as it comes to us through Jesus Christ. We give through the church so that others can come and see and experience this community of faith and the support and the love that you show one another. See, God calls us to be more than just a people of faith in a building. God calls us to go forth from this place and to be disciples as we go forth to all nations proclaiming his name, and baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So I leave you today inviting you to think about what it means to give to the church and about what it means to give through the church. Because I believe if we give through the church, we open our eyes and ourselves to the greater vision of God's kingdom as he's offered it to us. Amen.